Welcome to Joy at Work. I'm your host, Alex Liu, Managing Partner and Chairman at Kearney. Today is an exciting day for Joy at Work. Today is published day for my new book, Joy Works, Empowering Teams in the New Era of Work. On this episode, I'll share more about the book and look back at some of my favorite conversations this season on the podcast. First, the book. Why did I write a book about joy at work? Well, joy has been an important theme for me for quite a long time. My parents taught me the power of staying optimistic, even in challenging times. And as a kid, I found joy in being on sports teams and coming together around a common goal. When I took on the role of managing partner and chairman of Kearney back in 2018, I chose joy as my focus. Kearney is a global team of teams with thousands of colleagues relentlessly serving clients who themselves are composed of teams of teams. And as consulting is at its core, a people business, I don't want the people at the firm to simply perform. I want them to thrive. This podcast has been one way I've explored the idea of joy at work. Back in 2019, I started talking to leaders about joy. Those conversations started with the most obvious building blocks. How to design our physical workspaces for joy. How to introduce novelty and delight into our day-to-day work. How to acknowledge and trust our teammates. And as the world changed with the pandemic and the great reflection and all the transformations we're living through these days, those conversations about how to build joy got more and more interesting. How to be resilient, how to lead and innovate, how to align personal purpose with institutional purpose, and even community goals, how to push for justice. This book is based primarily on interviews from this podcast over the last four seasons. I went back to every guest featured on this show and asked them new questions about how they're building joy at work, how their perspectives might have changed, and how they're passing the baton to the next generation. The book includes insights from those couple of dozen leaders who are all using very unique approaches to build more joy. You can buy the book, Joy Works, Empowering Teams in the New Era of Work, wherever you buy books. On this season of Joy at Work, we've tried to focus on the future. How can we keep pace with all the changes in the world and still innovate while also building joy? I want to share a short conversation I had recently with my colleague, Lee Braley. Lee is co-founder of Fast Forward, Carney's breakthrough business builder. So first, welcome to the show, Lee. Good to see you again. Thanks, Alex. Good to see you. Let's start off at the top. Now, how do you find joy in your work? I always see you with a smile. What's your secret? I guess the smile covers a multitude of sins, but I guess if I answer that in reverse order, a bit of context about Fast Forward and why we set it up, we're helping organizations to bridge the ambition to action gap. So what we're doing in a nutshell is basically helping companies create breakthroughs and make them actually happen, tackling the biggest challenges corporations face by building innovative new business models and solutions to overcome them. We're doing this for our clients, but we're also doing it for ourselves. And a wise woman once told me, and I think that wise woman might have been my mum actually when talking about a relationship with my dad, is that if, if it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. And so we're doing it to ourselves as well as to other organizations. We really believe in this. Now, overcoming challenges we face as corporations and as society really requires change and radical change at that. We're talking about willingness to unlearn everything that went before and openness to new possibilities and partnerships and a confidence to really make make bold decisions, take risks, and rewrite the rules. And it's that 
that ability and freedom to rethink and reshape without constraints. And in collaboration with diverse mix of pioneers and industry experts, it really brings me joy and kind of motivates you in what you do on a daily basis. Well, I mean, it's exciting to hear, you know, the joy in your voice and the way you express your mission. Now, how do you get this to happen? Do you find that it's a change management journey? How do you get them to unlock this potential that you believe in so strongly? Primarily, we're looking at the evangelists within the organization and then look at how we kind of get those evangelists to create a ripple effect within the organization and take it to a broader level. I think a lot of business leaders are realizing that it cannot be done in isolation anymore. You're only as strong as the minds that you have around the table and the experience that you can bring to the fore. So making sure that you have a broad network of expertise to help you shape and drive new innovation is absolutely fundamental. So you look for the evangelists, you build the ecosystem to get this sort of train rolling. And those are some key lessons. What else would you say you've learned from working in this topic, in this space with your fast forward clients to date? There's something about the business logic and prioritization that you think they need to really get right. What success really looks like when we're speaking to clients who are doing it well is they're setting a clear vision linked to tangible outcomes, and then they're choosing and adapting the most relevant models to company size, resources, goals, and ambitions, selecting the organization structure and processes to manage an innovation program in a kind of an effective way. Now, often that means separating the innovation from the core so that it's not constrained by the rigor and process and silos that are so evident in many organizations now. Because if you want to create an environment for innovation to flourish, you've got to set it up in isolation to get it really scaling and to bring in the freedom to reshape and rethink and create new solutions, products, and processes. Now, you can bring it back into the organization later on, but what we're seeing is those who do it best do it externally and then bring it back in. I can see the excitement that you're bringing to this topic and this adventure. What else gives you further excitement about the future? I think number one is the rise in purpose-driven investments. We're seeing it everywhere. As a result, what's really great to see is that purpose-driven startups are failing less and raising more. And any startup that has a, a mission related to sustainable development goals, such as climate change, are really kind of seeing the benefits and are less likely to go out of business than those who don't have that kind of foundation. And this creates a ripple effect across business. Today in The Guardian in the UK, there was an article about how business leaders are now collectively calling for nature impact disclosures to be mandatory by 2030. We saw the likes of H&M, Sainsbury's, Nestle, among more than 300 companies urging governments to agree to the pledge at COP15 in December. There's also, I guess, a recognition that from corporate leaders, they don't have all the solutions in-house. Uh, we're seeing increased collaborations across private sector, public sector, academia, and this increases the chances of bringing the right people to the fore to drive the change, either innovation, regulatory, educational. You know, it has a massive ripple effect on society more broadly. Well, super, Lee. I love your theme of collaboration, and it's always great to collaborate with you. Any last word for our audience? Any final encouragement on this topic? I think be bold, be ambitious, don't hold back, and go out there and seek others who have a different opinion, different expertise, and bring them into the circle. Let them help you create the future. Well, you're leading by example. Thanks a lot, Lee. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Alex. Speak soon. I've learned an awful lot from my conversations with our guests this season. Let's look back at some of my favorite moments from season four of Joy at Work. First, I talked to John Dutton, head of Uplink, the World Economic Forum's open innovation platform. John helped me think about how we find and fuel good ideas to solve the world's biggest challenges. You've created with Uplink a bottoms-up innovation platform. 
It's open to anyone with an innovative idea. It's the first platform that we have built in a digital space that is open and free to anyone anywhere. And that's been an important part of our DNA. It's also one of the first things where there's an action. It's not just kind of reaching out with some knowledge for people to consume, but it's saying, hey, we're calling on you. We need your help for some of these big SDG issues. And we're asking for you to supply your idea and your solution. We also heard from one of those entrepreneurs who has worked with Uplink, Shaylee Mehta, co-founder of urban forest startup Acacia Eco. I think we need to stop thinking in linear ways and need to be thinking in systems. To restore nature, we need to be thinking like nature in ecosystems and not in isolation. So we need to be working together to create an ecosystem that supports, enhances, and leverages each other's work. We're not competing here. We really need to be holding hands and helping each other make as much impact as we can. And once we do that, we need to push the boundaries of scale and speed because it's a long road ahead. And I think a lot of us struggle mainly with the access to networks and funding, and all of these are solvable problems. So like I said, I think if people come together and work together, we would really be able to focus on what we do best, which is converting these degraded lands into forests. And if we're supported by businesses and organizations that are best at what they do, like capital allocators or consultancy firms, if they can help us take care of some of the business model sides, we would be able to achieve a lot more. So I think there's just a lot of scope for all of us to work together towards a common objective. The past few years have taught us how important it is to understand our mental health in order to meet all the challenges around us. I am personally inspired by people who are helping us understand mental health in new ways. One of those people is Nick Taylor, a clinical psychologist and CEO of Unmind. I spent years and years studying psychology. I did my undergrad degree, I did my doctorate, I've done many courses in between, I've done lots of practice, I've lectured at universities, I'm embedded in that world. And yet still, if somebody comes to me and says, I'm feeling depressed or I'm feeling suicidal or I'm really not in a good place, I still find those conversations hard. I still find I can be anxious in those conversations. And that's with all those years of experience. So we must remember that in asking our people managers to be equipped to have conversations with with mental health that's not going to happen unless we as organizations provide the right level of support to those people it's not good enough to say well once a year we're going to put you in a room for two hours and tell you about mental health because people won't remember it we need to make this continue the same way we brush our teeth every day managers should be continually thinking about the mental health and well-being of their teams because that's the most important thing they can be doing is to help their teams be well and there's never been a more important time therefore for organizations to double down on the investment of the mental health and well-being of their people i don't want my children to grow up in a world where they can't talk about their mental health and we as a generation have a responsibility to ensure that there is no longer stigma for the people coming into the workplace to talk about their mental health where we put mental health where it really deserves to be which is nurtured and celebrated and that's the opportunity we have as a generation but we've done an awful lot of good in terms of the progress we've made already and i'm very optimistic about our ability to see this through next we talk to marketing leaders about how their organizations drive innovation. I particularly liked hearing about how Lenovo uses the practice of Fupon to quickly find out what's working. Here's Emily Ketchen, CMO for Lenovo's Intelligent Devices Group. 
we spend time working on our process of innovation through a deep review of how projects have gone. In our company, we call it Fupan, and that is in Mandarin, it means to replay the chessboard. And what a fantastic tool that has been for us. It is a way that we come together with the space and the latitude to learn and discuss what worked, what didn't. It's not about finger pointing. It's genuinely about coming together as teams who are inherently focused on innovation and the process of innovation to make it better and to truly learn what we could have done better and therefore foster innovation top to bottom. When we think about innovation, we think about startups. I talked to Erika Sabalainen, the 26-year-old CEO of Slush, a student-led startup movement in Finland. I asked her what advice she'd give leaders of more established companies to harness the energy and innovation of a startup. A startup is actually a vehicle designed as explicitly for risk-taking. So kind of doing something extremely ambitious with a kind of short amount of time and with little resources. And for me, that is super exciting. And something that I'm curious about is whether there would be ways to kind of enable similar risk-taking within uh, more established companies, because they do have the kind of resources for that. They have the knowledge. They probably have financial resources, other kind of resources. So is it just about the kind of mentality and willingness to take big risks. Because uh, just as we discussed before, the challenges that we're facing, they are super hard and super complex. So if you do not invest in those innovations and kind of encourage risk taking, you cannot expect to solve anything in the future. Sometimes the biggest challenge at work isn't about tech or creativity or coming up with new ideas. It's getting along with the people around us. Amy Gallo is an editor at Harvard Business Review, and she shared what she's learned about getting along. When our relationships with our coworkers are strong, they can be a source of energy, support, growth, joy. It's not just a feel-good thing to have friends or to have positive relationships. We see it enhance performance, creativity, as I said, information sharing. There's just so many positive benefits to having strong relationships. When I say getting along, I don't mean that you see things the exact same way. What I mean is that you're able to navigate interactions. You're able to navigate disagreements, conflict and come to new ideas, resolutions. And I think if I had any advice for a team leader, it is to acknowledge upfront that you are going to disagree. That's a normal, inevitable part of doing work together, of interacting with other humans. And that's not a bad thing. I think forgiveness is one of the most important things we can bring to the workplace right now because we're not our best selves all the time. And when we make mistakes, we need the people around us to accept that, tell us when we make a mistake, and then give us room to move on and try again. Finally, we close this season of Joy at Work by thinking about Innovation at scale. How do you turn one idea into a movement? I talked to Kirk Bresnicker, chief architect at Hewlett-Packard Labs. Over his 33-year career at HPE, he's learned the three elements every innovator needs. 
if you really want to make a difference as a technologist, ingenuity is not enough for you to really make a difference. You need ingenuity. And the second thing you need is opportunity. You need a problem that has to be solved, that has a business outcome. And whether that is a business outcome in the sense of something that's a profitable market or it's a beneficial societal outcome, there has to be something where your ingenuity and that opportunity can meet. And the last piece you need is investment. You need to convince someone who can give you access to resources, whether that is financial resources, technology resources, human resources. How can you convince them that your ingenuity and this opportunity can meet with finite demands on resources and where reward outweighs the risk. So how can you have all of those things come together? And I guess that's the biggest part of my job is crafting and creating, curating that network of individuals so that they can find each other, so they can find the complementary piece, the engineer with the ingenuity, the business lead with the opportunity, and finally the leadership team that can make the investment. How can we get them all aligned, all to see that potential? Thanks again for listening to this season of Joy at Work. I'll leave you with this. We all want to experience joy at work, and we shouldn't settle for anything less. Joy at Work is produced by Carney, a global management consulting firm. We help our clients reach their full potential and find the way forward during uncertain times. We're inspired by Fast Forward, Carney's breakthrough business builder. Fast Forward works with leaders across the globe to inspire new business models that enhance stakeholder value and accelerate tech-enabled growth. Learn more about the show and about our innovative work at carney.com slash joy at work. And if you enjoyed this show, please check out the other shows in the Carney Podcast Network, including Inside the Mind, Carney's consumer practice leaders uncover how and why people shop today. What does our new consumer behavior mean for the future of the retail industry? And on supply chain shocks, our operations partners explore how supply chains are transforming in order to meet new demands and constraints.